Geopolitics and Empire is joined by Piers Corbin, who is an experienced campaigner, political activist, and scientist whose leadership in crucial campaigns such as housing, transport, jobs, student rights, climate realism, and defending rights against COVID-1984 has achieved victories against all odds. His little brother is Jeremy Corbyn. Piers is leader of Let the UK Live and is a leading long-range forecaster. You can purchase his accurate weather forecasts at weatheraction.com. Welcome to Geopolitics and Empire, Piers. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. And uh, well, I'm astounded that you <laughs> you know all those things. And uh, also, you've been following us for some time. Yeah, I was going to say, I've been following your work for over uh, a decade. I, I, I love it. And I just wanted to tell a brief story um just on the note of the theory of man-made uh, you know global warming and climate change okay. and and your weather action service something like i can't remember seven eight nine years ago i taught a course here in mexico at the tech de monterey called environment and international relations uh i right. taught again i taught against the climate uh official <laughs> nar na narrative but i purchased the weather action report to, to test it out to test you out and I couldn't believe it. I had purchased it. I can't remember. Like it was January or, or February of that year. And to the day you had predicted massive rain and, and, and historic flooding in the American Midwest, like Iowa yeah, and, yeah. and whatnot. And on March 25th, you had predicted, you know, March 25th, uh, like a month or two ahead of time. And yeah, yeah. On, on, on that day, I found mainstream articles on March 25th, saying historic flooding in Iowa and in the American Midwest. So that that confirms your hypothesis that uh, anthropogenic global warming, the official climate narrative, is is total bunk, and that the sun drives uh, the, the weather. Correct. Isn't, isn't that right? Could you just tell us a bit about that? That is absolutely true. You see, we understand that weather and climate are essentially controlled by solar activity. Obviously, the radiation from the sun is one thing, but the big variable is the particles and their magnetic connections with the sun. We have ways of predicting these things, which is complicated, but nevertheless, it works. And that's why we're able to make these long-range forecasts on, in the USA, uh, Europe, and Britain and Ireland. Um, and they do have unparalleled accuracy. Uh, we are the best long-range forecasters in the world. Now, we've made that claim to people, and nobody disagrees, because there's no one prepared to have a competition with us. Um, so we do sell them, but of course, our statement is against the main narrative that CO2 is controlling things, which of course, CO2 can't control things if the sun does it. Um, yeah. And people want to know more, we can discuss more on the detail, but we've now produced this pamphlet, if I hold it up about there, mm -hmm. Man-Made Climate Change Does Not Exist. It's by me and uh, Philip Foster, another physicist, uh, and it explains things you know, very helpfully in, in the, I, I would say. Um, in terms of our forecasts, yes, it is. Well, I feel really proud that we've achieved these things, but it is disgusting, of course, that the mainstream just ignore it. I mean, they used to entertain us and, and have me on TV, but now absolutely not. I can't get anywhere to talk about climate change or even long-range forecasts. Now, we might indeed issue some warnings about this winter, but whether they're going to publish them, I don't know, because frankly, they should do, because people are running very short of money, fuel, everything. So what we say about the winter in, in any of the uh, three regions I mentioned uh, must be important. But I think the powers that be will still try and tread on us. A message from our sponsors. 
Our friends at Above Phone are on a mission to help people break free of the algorithm ghetto. They're starting with our phones because 99% of people today are addicted to the big tech ecosystem. We have alternative technologies available that Ramiro and his team at Above Phone have been evaluating. These tools are superior, not just alternatives. Are you ready to play above the rules of the surveillance capitalists? Let's remove our reliance on them for information, apps, and communications and break free of their tracking. If we don't contribute to alternative software with our participation, we may lose the few choices we have. When you get a degoogled above phone, everything is made simple out of the box. Just plug your cell service in and go, or use Wi-Fi only. The above privacy suite provides important services using open source software that is run reliably and privately. It gives you a VPN, private email, search engine, encrypted chat, voice and video calls, a calendar service, and an anonymous internet phone number. Because getting people on better systems is so important, they've upped their dedication to support. With each phone, you get a 30-minute support call, 24-7 email, chat support, and a knowledge base. Just like with our food, water, healthcare, schooling, and security, our tech needs to be sovereign. Browse available phones now and subscribe to the privacy suite at abovephone.com. Also, if you need health insurance that covers you wherever you may roam, check out my friend James Guzman's Borderless Health Insurance. One of the great things about living internationally is saving money on health care, but private care overseas can be expensive. Go to borderlesshealthinsurance.com to watch a short presentation on expat and digital nomad health care and sign up for a free consultation to review your options. I would tell people again, buy a weather action report, see it for yourself. Like I said, uh, I had no idea what to expect and I, and, and I couldn't uh, believe it. And, you know, I, I wanted to get your big picture take on things. You've been speaking out uh, against the the global tyranny, you know, COVID-1984, as I call it, the biomedical security states, yep. uh, the yep. green the green agenda, uh, the, the fascist EU, as I call it. And so we're, we're facing, is, yeah, yeah we're, we're facing, I think, a singular global threat with many threads, uh, you know, global elites who want to take over the planet. Um, this is manifest in, in the Great Reset, the World Economic Forum and all of their networks, uh, you know, UN, EU, Soros, Bill Gates, NGOs. And uh, Archbishop Vigano just came out recently and said, we can say that in this era, the city of the devil is clearly identifiable in neo-Malthusian globalism, the New World Order, yep. the, U the UN, the World Economic Forum, EU, World Bank, IMF, and all these so-called philanthropical foundations that follow an ide <laughs> ideology of, of death, disease, know. destruction, and, and tyranny. So they're attacking us on many fronts using uh, you know manufactured pandemics, um, the, the weather, uh, you know the green agenda, this dystopian electronic concentration camp, and so forth. So mm -hmm. could you sort of tell us from your vantage point uh, what in the world is going on? Yeah, I think that's very important the way you put that. Uh, before I go into the detail, just to tell you about this pamphlet again, mm -hmm. when you go to weatheraction.com, you can download this for nothing. Um, if you want to buy forecasts as well, that is excellent. But, uh, you know, I know some people don't have money. We're desperately short of money. But you can get a full winter forecast now for USA, Europe and um, Britain and Ireland. And indeed, we're just moving on to March forecasts as well. And March is going to be very interesting. OK, so back to your question. Yes, you see, um, when the man-made climate change story first came about, I was kind of... Uh, I said, you know, I thought, really? You know what I mean? They were saying these things. And the thing puzzled me about these people. They came up to me and said, Piers, um, you agree with free public transport, don't you? I said, yeah, of course I do, yeah. Well, then you should support us, our 
climate change CO2 campaign. I said, why is that? I said, well, because if we're, if what we say is true, then we should have free public transport. I said, well, yes, but, you know, I can say we want free public transport anyway. I don't have to go into a story that I don't understand. So it kind of made me suspicious. But I didn't do much about it because it was busy. And then I, I did believe for a while that CO2 had some effect. I, I, you know, now I'm a physicist, so I was a fool. I should have looked into it properly. But I thought, oh, yeah, OK, they got this argument about radiation. Yeah, OK, maybe. And I thought, well, but whatever, it can't be much because there's so much else going on in the world. So I left it at that. And then later, analysed it more and found it was solid nonsense, absolutely all the way through. And the ideas emanated from uh, the Club of Rome. And also they've been adopted by the European Union. Now, I didn't like the European Union anyway, I thought. And then I realised some people in Britain were opposing the climate story because it came from the European Union. That was their reason, because they didn't like the European Union. Now, I thought, well, okay, let's unravel this. And what is the climate story? And then I can see that it wasn't true. And then, but it wasn't straight away that I realised, well, there's other stuff coming from these people. Because I met a woman called Sandy Adams in from Glastonbury who was pounding on all the time about uh, Agenda 21. And along with Mark Windows, who had a TV show, and we did lots of stuff around the country called The Bigger Picture. We had meetings where we were putting forward that this climate lie was part of a bigger agenda. Watch out. And But when 2021 came, I, I didn't believe that they would actually try all this stuff. And it, it was there in front of us. We'd warn people. But, you know, I mean, I didn't believe they would go so fast. And, and now, you see, we can see clearly. And we put out these leaflets from LetTheUKLive.com, and here we are. Again, you can download these from stopnewnormal.net. That's, that's our information site for Let the UK Live. I'll try and hold that straight so you can see the, the words. But basically, what we say is there are six legs to the World Economic Forum plan. And so we have them in slogans and information here. First of all, we've got to stop the virus con. The idea there's some deadly, dangerous virus out there attacking you is false. And it's just to, the idea is to control you. And then we have stop the climate con. And again, the idea that climate is made and made by man is completely insane. And we can do the science a bit later. Third one is the war con, stop the war con. Now, Orwell warned us. He said, there's a war. But it's against you. I said, really? It's against you. Because, you know, in, in 1984, the book, there's all these wars all over the place and, and his government changes sides every so often. But the point is, it's about controlling you at home. And that's what it is now. And it's used to justify energy price increases. Well, hang on. No, there's no oil coming from Ukraine. I mean, this is completely insane. They blame the Russians for turning off the gas. But it's the Americans who blew up the Russian pipeline. So it's it's complete lies, absolute complete lies. It is just to control you. Uh, and then we have the physical attacks on us. Those three I mentioned are mental attacks. There's physical attacks on us. And the answer is you've got to halt the jab program. The jab is killing people. It is part of a depopulation agenda. Now, you know, it's difficult to believe that there's people so evil up there. But, you know, then you look back in history and you know, think, well, OK, there were evil people in charge before. They haven't all disappeared. I mean, you know, this line of command carries on. Um, 
Second thing we've got to do is take down 5G and AI control. Because the 5G towers are, well, they're a, in, a data highway to control you, get your physical picture and turn on your app or turn off your money or so forth. Um, and they also, actually, those frequencies can damage your body and cells in your body. And, you know, it's very, very dangerous. And I think one of the big slogans you've got to have is take down 5G. Um, that means people taking down towers. I've seen it done, and we ought to be done full time. Now, all of these legs, let's get on to the last one first, um, but all these legs have to be taken down. But actually, if one of them, if one of them was totally taken down, certainly the 5G one, they could not carry out their agenda because the top of their agenda is the last one. It's the digital and biometric ID. Through that, they want to control everybody. They want to get rid of money. They've made it completely clear. They want to get rid of money. And, of course, you remember, this was in Marx. We want to get rid of money, he said. We, want it. we don't want money. We don't need money because money imprisons people. Well, yeah, of course, there's a lot of problems with money. I agree with that. But it's interesting that Marx's communist theory imagined the end of money and the withering away of the state. Now, we haven't got the withering away of the state. We've got the massive increase of the state. But they want to end money in the sense we knew and impose a digital money, which they control. So we've got to refuse digital and biometric ID as the last last window on this. I'll, I'll, I'll include I'll all take up cash. Use cash everywhere is our main campaign answer on that right now but mm. people should refuse all these apps don't uh, don't join any apps just just get out of them completely. I, if i could just you know pick on some of those points yes. I'll, inc I'll include all of the links in the description so people listen Please, now, yeah, now, yeah. Now yeah. we've got telegram links for most of those yeah right? uh, twitter your telegram and, and all of the other sites but just what you were mentioning you know that's my biggest fear the last two years i've been yes. uh most worried about what the the last point um uh you know Two years ago, I interviewed the Jewish historian he, uh, Edwin Black, and he calls it the the algorithm ghetto, which is my favorite term for it. He, <laughs> I love cause, that. I love yeah, because he compares it to the Jewish ghetto, where you know Jews yeah, yeah, yeah. were physically put in these ghettos, but with what this electronic concentration camp, this cashless society, it's basically like a social credit system, and this is happening. Really? It's happening is, yeah, it's happening globally, and so you know, I I, I, I got banned. I got banned from PayPal uh, in April, and there's people having, you know, Kanye West, his bank account closed. And so if if you don't, uh, you know, do what they say, if you have a different religious or moral or cultural view, if you don't believe in climate change, if you don't mask up, they will just shut off all of your accounts. You can't work. You can't travel. You can't buy or sell. And so and you, you, you recently put out a hilarious video where you went into the an Amazon store, I think, in the UK, where they don't accept cash and you, oh, have, to, you have to pay with your face. So, you know, f further thoughts on how bad this cashless system is? Well, it will get very bad if we don't stop it. Absolutely. Because they envisage on the London Underground, for example, 5G everywhere, uh, 5G cameras. So you walk on, it'll know who you are. And it will take money out of your account straight away. That's it. That's all that happened. You just walk in and walk off. If they don't like you, though, you won't be allowed in. That's it. End. Uh, so it is total control. And we have to break these things and go back to using cash everywhere. And we have Keep Cash on uh, campaigns. There's a Keep Cash Friday sort of thing. And um, 
Jab Justice Saturday. That's the sort of thing we're trying to get people to do around the country, and it's working to some extent. But, I, I, you know, if everybody kept cash and refused to use bank cards everywhere, their, their system they want would, would not happen. And, and maybe to jump back to the war aspect, the, yeah. the, the geopolitical, where mm -hmm. do Russia and China fit in, in, in all of this? Because at times, you know, so at the geopolitical level, it seems, you know, apparently that russia and and you know the west are at odds uh the west seems to want to break uh russia and subjugate it but on the other hand we see china and russia implementing these qr codes and mandatory vaccines and, and biosecurity measures so what's your take on uh on where yeah, russia, russia and china i are? think that is a fundamental question for all progressive people and it should be a fundamental question for what's called the left but the left now including my brother, have basically sold out. And they they just go along with the narrative. They believe in man-made climate change. The BBC brainwashes people. And then Jeremy, my brother, and his mates, uh, very kindly mobilise these people to do stupid things, to disrupt the economy. This is everything the World Economic Forum wants. I mean, it's, it's insane. But anyway, where do Russia and China fit? I think that is very important because... Uh, Let's understand that there are real power blocks in the world. There is Russia, there is China, there is the USA, and there is India and Brazil and certain other countries too. Um, but there's the three big ones. Now, each of the regimes in those countries will do whatever is best for them. And they've all adopted kind of aspects of the World Economic Forum Great Reset, kind of. But they'll adopt those bits of it which help them. And, of course, power and control in their own country is what really helps them. So, you know, you can understand how, in a way, it helps Russia to have a war because it regiments their own people. And they, they've been forced into the war as well by NATO. Because NATO is on their doorstep. I mean, the Ukraine, look at the map, it protrudes into Russia. That's why That's why NATO is there, to upset Russia. So Putin had to go in. There was no, no, nothing he could have done other than go in. Um, and, and, of course, him going in suits the West because they've got all this story too. So it suits both sides to do it. Is there an actual war? Yeah, there is an actual war. People are dying. People are dying to defend the right of self-determination of people in East Ukraine. Now, I support the right of self-determination. I support the right of the Scottish people to have self-determination, of, of the Punjabis to break away from the Indian superstate. You have to support that. It's basic stuff. To call us, you know, Russian stooges for that is insane. I mean, you know, let's be clear. That is a democratic issue. Um, but anyway, back to the question. In the long run, what do the Russians want? Do they want the World Economic Forum to take over? No, I, I don't think they do. But I think, you see, all these players in these countries feel, well, they'll do what's best for them and that they'll go along to certain aspects of the World Economic Forum. Now, the World Economic Forum has got a bigger, longer game. So they'll try and manipulate these countries into, into it. But you see, in the end, the World Economic Forum does depend on cooperation from the mega corporations and the superpowers. And when it comes to China, I mean, what's happening there is, I mean, it's grotesque. And I know Chinese people, you know, and they are amazing, you know what I mean? Uh, Hardworking, uh, intelligent, and so forth. They're the people who are kind of organizing things there. Um, but they're going along with these completely mad things, which are actually undermining 
the, the strength of the Chinese economy. I mean, having people locked up, being inefficient and so on, masked away is, is insane. But at the same time, that gives that regime power. So they'll carry on doing that. And I can tell you now, though, there is massive opposition on the ground in China. I mean, people have been fighting back in a real big way, which you never believe until you've seen some of the pictures, which, which I, I think are true. So uh, I don't think the regime in China will get away with it, and I think they'll have to back off and become a bit more independent. Now, I don't know if that answers the question, but I think the World Economic Forum is primarily run by mega corporations and super rich and people behind the scenes, and we'll carry on seeing relative independence from it in Russia, certainly. China, complicated, but I think there's going to be some big changes in China because they've gone in too fast and too hard with with lockdowns. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and maybe to get your thoughts on, on <laughs> Europe uh, as well. Uh, I'm, yes. a US, I'm a US citizen. I, I'm a proud uh, Croatian, but that also makes me an EU citizen. And I've never been a fan of the European Union. I've researched its, its roots, its history. Some say it's got Nazi oh. roots. Others call it the new European Soviet, I believe Gorbachev. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I believe he Gorbachev. He said that, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I met Gorbachev, but I, I, I did read a quote. Really? Wow. Yeah, about five years ago. But uh, he, he apparently he did say that he, he didn't understand why Western Europe was trying to recreate the Soviet uh, Union. And yeah. so we're seeing the EU become this technocracy, all of these crazy rules, no sovereignty, no democracy and you know there there's Brex, uh, brexit and you know just your thoughts on this. some are saying the eu is going to uh, disintegrate i i personally hope <laughs> hope it does but just your thoughts on on uh, the eu uh, brexit and, and and whatnot yeah i think the eu looking at it now it was a trailblazer for the world economic forum great reset i think they were just testing things out now, the origin of the eu is interesting it was the um Iron and Steel Federation post-war. Uh, basically, the idea was set up by leading um, industrialists in Germany. Uh, and then the French cooperated. And the French and Germans agreed they were going to de-industrialise Britain. That's what they agreed decades ago. And that's what they've done. Look at the British economy now. Closing down steelworks in the north of England and sending them off in the name of climate change to India. Same amount of CO2 is produced, but we pay to lose our jobs. It's insane. It is completely insane. But, you know, hats off to them. They've done the most evil trick, you know, making people pay for their own, own destruction. Uh, imaginable. So where will the European Union go now? Well, I think there are some problems, of course, because the American uh, Wall Street don't really like any idea of a, a powerful European Union. So they don't mind it getting into a right mess with Russia and they'll enc encourage all that and encourage, you know, pipeline chaos, which is why they bombed it, of course. Will the European Union survive? Um, I don't know. I think it could indeed, indeed die. I think so, because although Brexit hasn't really been a Brexit, it, it, it represents a massive feeling by the public that we just don't want this. Uh, and, you know, you've got people opposing it in Italy, other parts of Poland and so on. Uh, uh, and I think it will, it, I think its programme will will halt and they'll 
stop being able to implement all these insane rules and then most countries say well okay we'll just carry on with our national rules and that will be better you see I don't agree with world government in any sense or, or form. I, I don't mind, you know, you've got to have cooperation, you've got to have meetings, but a world government, an anti-democratic world government, no. I mean, I think the future of the world has to be based a lot more on localist control. I mean, that doesn't answer the problem of how mega corporations form and how you have to prevent them ruling the world. Um, but that is an issue to be tackled with. Uh, we say and let the UK live. The key thing is accountability. The key issues in the world now are globalisation, mega diktats versus accountability, which means control on the ground. And every elected person has to be removable by, you know, a local local petition. Suppose 30% of the population in your area say we want a new election. There has to be a new election. See, right now, all these people are elected without accountability. Now, whatever you can say about Lenin, I mean, you know, there's lots of things very bad that happen in Russia. But one thing that Lenin did talk about was accountability in his earlier phase. Of course, you know, the new economic policy in 1921 kind of ended Lenin's ideas. Uh, but I don't want to go into the details yeah. of the Russian Revolution. But, yeah, but you know... There's certain ideas which came out of Lenin, of accountability, which I think, and of course, he might have said that just to be popular. Who knows? But, you know, it is a good idea. We have to have accountability. Yeah, I, I'm a fan of uh, antitrust, as you said, try, try to prevent these huge monopolies. And uh, I, I recall, I, I'm also a Mexican citizen, so yeah. one, of my, one of my other presidents is uh, AMLO Lopez Obrador. And I, I recall a tweet from 2016, I think it was, where AMLO was standing with your brother, Jeremy and Amlo open in that tweet. Amlo openly said, "I don't know, it was your brother or, or both?" Uh, they were calling for world government, and, and recently, um, well, yeah, Amlo yeah. suggested the Mexican president a month ago that we should create an uh, a North American union, integrate Canada, USA, and Mexico based on the EU model. And then we had uh, and we had Lula in Brazil. And ex-Ecuador president Rafael Correa just two weeks ago also say that we should copy the EU and create a South South American Union. And so, oh we, 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 you know, we've got these folks trying to copy the EU and create these unions in different parts of the world. I think that's just part of more of what you're talking about, the, the push towards a world government. You know, any quick thought on that? Well, completely. I think that's very illuminating. You see, my brother used to be totally anti-European Union. Uh, along with with Tony Benn. And, you know, I used to tease him. I used to say, Jeremy, look, how the hell are we going to trade if you don't believe in working with these people? He said, oh, we'll trade with the third world. I said, look, come on, that's mad. But, you see, there was a grain of truth in what he was saying then, i.e., we don't want this monopoly, unaccountable thing running us. And I've, since quite some time ago now, been convinced that that is right. But have a... He's gone the other way because the people that surround him, uh, you know, they basically believe in state spending. The more state, because they lost the Berlin Wall, 1989. So then they look around what to do. And they think they identify more state spending with socialism. Now, of course, it's not more state spending. This is just corruption, basically. Um, and, you know, but it's beyond belief that people like the ones you mentioned want to ape comp. Con 
copy the European Union, which is the antithesis of democracy. Let's be clear. It's an unelected bureaucracy there, which has a parliament where people stand up and make a noise. Sure. But in the end, what that bureaucracy does goes through. And those people, they give them lots of money to be there and appreciate and pray or whatever they do. But in the end, even Nigel Farage is there as part of the circus to make it look okay. Well, it's not okay. We want to break it up. And if countries want to cooperate, then they should cooperate. It doesn't mean set up a bureaucracy to rule them. It means you'd have bilateral talks. Accountability and democracy when necessary, and that's more important than what people call efficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, looking back at the last 20 years or 30 years, because I was president of Imperial College Student Union. And then you see that debate was interesting because, you know, engineers and scientists, they believe in efficiency. They believe in mechanisms. They believe in automatic things happening. So that's why Imperial College is such an ideal place for propagating this nonsense, uh, you know, because it's full of people who believe in technical solutions, technocratic solutions. Now, technocratic solutions are not always wrong, but they have to come below democratic accountability. And that's what I say when I go there, and I do go there quite often these days for various things, Um, although the powers that be don't want me there. Uh, uh, You know, and there's a lot of very intelligent engineers around who, you know, have to get to grips with that. Um, Interesting, China, when you look at who becomes the political uh, leadership, you know, the Politburo members and all those delegates in China, then vast numbers of engineers, absolutely engineers, who just, you know, they see a system, sort it. And democracy isn't an issue that they bother about. Uh, the United Kingdom, though, in different, different. Uh, the main politicians are people who couldn't get another job doing anything else and they're actually pretty stupid, or lawyers who put themselves in charge of everything. So, the you know, you have basically the cabinet of lawyers and the like, and the rest are sort of also rands who do well they're told, uh, which is pretty sad. There's not many scientists or engineers in parliament. I think it would be better if there was, because ideally, though, any parliament requires a mixture of people, um, so long as they're accountable. Yeah, and and before leaving Europe, just one more question, mm. uh, just your thoughts on uh, migration, because I think this is another weapon wow, of, of, of the globalists. And uh, the UN just this week said that the UK and EU will have to import 60 million uh, migrants. And we see the same thing happening here in North America. The US and Canada yes. are being flooded with uh, migrants. And I think that's part of that project to create supranationalism where you erase national cultures and identities just to, any thought on um the migration issue oh, i agree with that completely no i'm i'm aware that if i stand up in one of these you know former colleagues of my meetings and say look there's too many romanians coming here they say that's racist that's racist peers you've got to let them in no borders free borders i say well okay do you open your door at night to anyone who wants to come in no, we don't. Well, okay. So, you know, what are they saying? No. I think the thing to understand is look, genuine refugees have to be helped. And there are world agreements on this, which, you know, as long as they're proper agreements with agreements, 
are okay. But the idea that Albanians coming to Britain are fleeing anything is complete nonsense. They're not fleeing a damn thing. Maybe 40 years ago they might have been, but not now. They're here looking for jobs, okay, or in fact indulging in big time in the drug trade because Albanians basically run the well, various aspects of the drug trade in London. Um, having more of them is not going to... It's not going to help us, not going to help the people already here. And they are, the imports are about destroying UK culture and strength. And the same in every country. They're destroying these working class communities. I mean, I've lived in Walworth, which is part of South London, for a long time. And when I remember there, you know, it was basically white English. They, they were not racist people. They, they'd accept people. But then... Lots of people they'd call, you know, sometimes in derogatory terms, whatever, black or whatever, uh, more and more came. And then some said to me, oh, Piers, you're going to move to Margate now. I said, why is that? Oh, because it ain't what it used to be. Now, it's true, it wasn't. Things were changing. I don't think they were changing badly, but the rate of change upset people. And you see, this type of moving around does disrupt working class communities. And the... The reset, the pre-resets envisaged in Agenda 21 and Agenda 2013, notice. You see, in the 1992 World uh, Global whatever summit, global Re- summit, Rio, I think it was called. Rio, that one, yes. They adopted these things about regenerating working-class communities because they were getting poor. No, 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 no. They were talking about destroying working-class communities and bringing in, uh, well, where it was appropriate, the uh, better off middle classes or just drowning them into uh, 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 you know places that people wouldn't recognize them wouldn't organize themselves in that's the point breaking up working class communities because you know I lived on this well I know all these housing estates you know I knew on the Ellsbury estate which they've now they're still trying to destroy it um you could get people together in big numbers to do many things, not just about defending their housing, but because they were working together on their housing issues, they would go and do other things. This is what the ruling circles do not want. So they've got to break up this. Instead, demote people to their social activity is what they call social media, right? which can be turned on and off. Uh, and it's not the same as seeing somebody face to face. So, well, you know, in our tenants meetings, I, 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 I was the chair. I said, no, look, and then we had COVID. So you've got to do everything on Zoom. I said, I'm not doing anything on Zoom. And I resigned. Now, it's coming back to life a bit, but it's not like it was. I mean, the cohesion of working class communities has been destroyed by the COVID measures. Yeah. And, and just to bring, bring things back to the green mm-hmm. Uh, agenda oh, again. Yes. Uh, we had COP twenty seven in Egypt, and um, oh, it's it's starting to get a bit weird. Uh, transhumanists. Apparently, they have these new new green ten commandments. Uh, this like green. It, it seems to be like a cult where we got priests now calling for the flock to go green and become vegetarian. Yeah, there, was, yeah, yeah. there was a climate activist calling for uh, the death penalty for uh, deniers like you and me, peers. Oh, yeah. we, we don't deny the climate. We don't deny the weather. I mean, it's oh, it's, it's, it's weather, sunny no. right now in, in Mexico. But just uh, you know, your further thoughts on where the green agenda is headed? They're talking about yes. cli- climate oh, lockdowns uh, and, and and so forth. We do have a banner about, um, I'm wondering where it's gone. 
Um, you see, we have the Magna Carta and the UN have produced this thing called the Terra Carta, which is the Earth Charter, which, of course, is supported by King Charles. Now, we've said, look, King Charles is here to defend our rights, our Magna Carta. And if he goes along with the Terra Carta, which envisages, of course, zero, zero carbon, right? Uh, and as we say on here, zero carbon is zero rights. If he goes along with that, as far as I'm concerned, he's part of the World Economic Forum and we have to get rid of him in the monarchy. Uh, and that's what they ought to think about. Um, but you're right. You see, they, the green agenda is shrouded in a new religion, namely man-made climate change. And you're right. Heretics to this have to be punished. And interesting, they're talking about the death penalty, just like the Pope had the death penalty for heretics. I mean, it's not new. The world is coming back to those things. And dogmas then were, were we talk about dogmas in the last few years as bad things. But of course, for the Pope, they were good things. A dogma was a good thing. A dogma was truth. And if you went against truth, well, you could be executed. That's what happened to Bruno. That was uh, Galileo's friend, if you remember. I mean, Galileo broke some dogmas, but he didn't break very many. Bruno, Bruno broke lots of them and suffered death. And, uh, Galileo only was shown the instruments of torture and then decided to uh, back off a bit. Yeah, and just real quick, you, you've been speaking out on this, the Extinction Rebellion and Just Stop Oil. That seems yeah. to be a false flag uh, operation. The elites Absolutely. seem to, uh, you know, how do you explain uh, just, just Stop Oil and uh, how they're being used by the elites? Well, very interesting. It's very simple. And it relies on a completely compliant media, the BBC. You see, Just Stop Oil goes around saying, oil is a bad thing because CO2 is a bad thing. Therefore, we've got to end oil. Now, it's completely insane. These people doing this are trustafarians, i.e., you know, people with money, youth with money, who actually are dressed in clothing made from oil. But, you know, these little niceties, uh, they, they, they miss. Um, but the Just Up Oil campaign is physically, financially backed by mega corporation oil interests. The Getty Foundation shovels millions into them to pay for all their posters, all their propaganda. I mean, they're very well organized in, in, in a sense. They're, they're like a corporation, you know. They pop up all over the place, send their emails to everybody, and these uh, clinically stupid people turn up. Um, some of them will engage in debate, and we always go along and give out leaflets like this, and uh, we do recruit a few onto our side. But basically, as I said, it's a disgusting operation where the brainwashing is done by the BBC and the physical operation of them is funded by big oil now why do big oil support this well it's a no-brainer because the amount of actual uh alternative energy being used is very small five percent of the world so big oil don't mind losing five percent or even two percent or whatever of their product to wind farms which in the end turn into diesel when the wind doesn't blow but anyway they'll lose some of their sales but in return, they double profits on the rest. So it's a complete no-brainer. And uh, that's why Getty Foundation supports them. That's why all the oil companies say quite explicitly in their things, we will support these campaigns for decarbonisation as long as there's a uniform price for carbon across the board. Well, that means 
a farmer who's got to be paid a lot of money to burn few food rather than sell it for you to eat because it's you know it's got to get more money than it would for selling uh, maize to be eaten instead it's burned um that'll put up energy price so therefore there has to be agreements and that's what happens with governments to hold up energy price and opec of course is engaged in exactly that and recently they reduced oil production by two million barrels a day when there's a world oil shortage well what's this for it's, it's not to help us is it it's to increase their profits on the back of a propaganda lie which yeah. we can talk about why we know man-made climate change doesn't exist in a second if you want yeah i mean it's, it's making perfect sense as you're explaining it and do you do you feel people are waking are people waking up to all of these things not all of them it's uneven but a lot of people are now waking up to the jab and the uptake oh. of jabs in america now the next jab they've done is only 13 percent interested now those are the most stupid people in the world and they're going to die uh, it's a bit curious idea to ask, well, why should the ruling circus want to kill off the most stupid people who actually comply with them? But that is what's going to happen. But for them, of course, numbers. They want they believe in world, the population. Um, when it comes to other things, the climate, well, there's more people who disbelieve in the climate con than used to. That's true. The war con, well, no, lots of people believe Russia's bad and they'll carry on believing that. But I think on the virus and jab, we're kind of winning, but then other things will will come in instead, you know, and they're selling us the digital thing as a, as a you know, uh, a service to us. Um, how are we going to unite these things? It is important to get people understanding, well, certainly more than one picture. I mean, when we campaign about keeping cash, people do ask, well, you know, what's the problem with digital IDs? When you explain it, they realise, well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, maybe you're right, you know. And then they start to look into the other things. And it is important, as far as you can, get all these campaigns united. If we could win on just, you know, the 5G, for example, or the jab programmes, we'd be doing well. But they could now carry on, just leave a jab behind, just forget it, because a lot of people are going to die anyway. That have been jabbed, millions will die. Uh, and we're trying to build a jab and jab for a unite campaign to get, you know, help for people who have been jabbed. A lot of vitamin D, for example, is very important. Uh, it does seem that that might be able to stop people dying from the jab. I don't know, but I've seen argue, doctors argue that. And, and any other so I've set up groups in every place. Uh, discuss all these things get experts along on one thing or the other discuss 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 organize yeah and in terms of solutions it seems like what you've been doing focusing on as you said the real world more local uh physical uh meetings uh using cash uh you know and, and any other thoughts on what we can do to to resist fight back right well keep cash very important campaigns Taking down 5G towers, very important. We've discovered in Britain that these, a lot of these 5G towers were erected without risk assessments. Now, that means they've got to be taken down. So we're going to have a campaign very shortly of do an inquiry into your town hall, your council. Did you have a winner? Give us the risk assessment. Now, if they haven't got one, you know, it's been a court judgment saying, well, they've got to take them down. There. So that is very important. So do that. On the climate thing, it's difficult to campaign specifically of course because it's so nebulous um <coughs> one thing of course refuse to buy these things which have 
green this or that on them and go for something which makes more CO2. But I think just a two, couple, just two lines that people should understand when discussing climate, just to say to people, look, the real data shows 20,000 years of data, well, in fact, 200,000 years, but 20,000 years of data on this graph show that carbon dioxide level changes follow changes in temperature. And that's over 20,000 years of data. And that should be enough. Now, some clever guy is going to say to you, oh, yes, 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 that's true. But then that extra CO2 is going to cause extra warming on top. And then you show them the graph said, nope, untrue. Look at that graph at the top, which is the temperatures. You see, temperatures have gone up and then they go flat. They do not show an extra burp or boost. They don't. So that claim is utterly false. The other thing to say to them is, look, what you hear on TV requires heat to come from the colder upper atmosphere to the warmer lower atmosphere. That's why they say it's warming you up, because of the CO2 up there. Well, that is heat moving from a cold body to a hot body. This is nonsense. This is against the second law of thermodynamics, if you want to be technical, but let's just say it's against basic physics. You might as well sit in front of a kettle and wish it to warm up. It won't happen. So what they're talking about is bollocks. You see, what they're leaving out is half the truth. The other half of the truth is what? If there's more CO2 making more infrared radiation, well, yes, but it does it in all directions, including the upper radiation going into space. But that near the ground is going to radiate more upwards as well. And it's warmer on the ground than it is up there. So the net effect is going to be more radiation outwards, not inwards, using their own argument. So it is, it is nonsense at every level. Everything they claim is nonsense. And then they say, but what about that superheat? Well, they exaggerated the superheat. Anyway, they chose uh, aircraft runways or, or data in cities, which had have lots of new build around them. So that was all nonsense too. Um, but, uh, and there's nothing special going happening in the world now anyway. But the recent heat in Britain this year was part of a 19-year cycle, which is a lunar thing. It was uh, 1984. 2003 and 2022 hot summers. And they follow a cycle. We can understand it using our long-range forecasting. So everything they say on climate is lies and fraud. Do you have any thoughts? There's some people um, talking about a coming catastrophic uh, global cooling. Do you think um, we're entering into some cooling period? And if we are, you know, will it be catastrophic or and drastically lower food production or simply something we yeah. can easily well, adap adapt to? Partly true. We are entering a colder period, yes. Um, will it be as cold as the Maunder minimum before, where there was a catastrophic loss in, in production and the consequence was a lot of Germans moved to Spain, for example? Those things will happen. But I know that lots of people in the movement tend to exaggerate things because, it, it, you know, it gets them hits. Mm -hmm. um, but it is going to get generally colder. It will be coldest around 2035. One degree or so, possibly two degrees in temperate zones. Already the American here production of wheat has been trunked, moved further south of the boundary. 
um, and that will happen probably in the in Germany and Hungary and Ukraine as well. Um, so there will be cuts. Will they be surmountable? Yes, they could be, because obviously you you know you can you can grow more wheat further south if if you want to. Um, so there are solutions. They need to be be planned for. Um, but as it is, the powers that be are pointing everyone in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, many of my guests and and listeners as well. I've I've met some of my listeners around the world. Many are fleeing down here to uh, Mexico, where I am. Uh, and so, and so, m- many folks have run for the hills to rural parts of Europe uh, and Latin America, oh, yeah, yeah. leaving cities. Uh, some, you know, very wealthy folks. They're trying to build parallel society. And you know, apart from the solutions that we've been talking about, in terms of trying to survive, uh, you know, this tyranny, this collapse, whatever is coming. Do you have any thoughts on how do we prep for the brave new world? Well, I think it's important that people act out or build alternatives. For example, we need an alternative health service which puts well-being before the interests of the pharmaceutical companies. The National Health Service in the UK is a drug, big pharma administration operation. They want sick people. They don't want them to die, not straight away. They want them to have, you know, 10 years of of utter misery in order to consume the massive amount of drugs that they, they want to make profits from. And then they, then they can die as far as they're concerned. It doesn't matter for these people. Um, but you see, look, okay, having building up your own little house is not the same as an alternative national or, or alternative health service, national or not. So uh, I don't say these people are wrong. But I think they are misguided because you're not going to change the world by running away from it. Now, if the Great Reset happens, they'll make sure it happens in the cities and then they'll come for these people that have run into the hills and there will be no escape. You can hide in Sherwood Forest, but you will be caught in the end. You can, as they say, you can run, but you can't hide. Um, (laughs) Any then, uh, you know, any other thoughts or, or final thoughts for us? Yes, um, political activity. Uh, obviously, in the movement, lots of people despise politics, which is understandable. Now, I think it's important to know that in Britain, it's been kind of naked, but only when you think about it. That the BBC have told us the truth about our politicians. They've pointed out corruption. They've pointed out stupidity. They've given us the most mentally deficient, more stupid than ever series of leaders, so-called. And now we've got them, one of the most corrupt people in the world is Prime Minister Sunak. Before, we had the stupidest woman in Parliament in charge. And before that, it was the most buffoonery uh, person in Parliament, namely Boris Johnson. Well, this does undermine politics and it makes people think, OK, we don't need these people. But of course, see, Hitler did this before the war. He showed, well, they showed, look, all these people that are begging to the other side for this or that, they're corrupt and we've got to sweep them aside. And Hitler said, yes, I will bring order where there's chaos. And he got support. He got voted in on the back of bringing order. Now, the new world order will come along on exactly those grounds. Get rid of your politicians. We can rule you sensibly. They'll say democratically, but they won't mean it. Um, sensibly uh, in a calm manner from us, you know, the mega rich and so forth. Um, So they tell us the truth about our politicians for that reason. 
However, what are we, and they tell us lies about other things. Why don't they tell us the truth about climate? In this case? So they can decide what they tell us the truth about. So what are we going to do? Well, we have to diss these, you know, attack these pathetic politicians too. But we've got to organise ourselves politically. Politics itself isn't bad. It's their politics is bad. So we do have to organise better and better. And that's what Let the UK Live is about. It's a campaign organisation as well as a political party. And we work with other groups. We say, look, all these groups shouldn't stand against each other. We've got to have agreements about who stands where in elections. And we're not standing in elections to run the show. We're standing in elections to destroy the circus. Um, that has to be a bottom line of cooperation but i would urge people to get together in groups even if it's a little local group doesn't matter get together organize in numbers and then think when there's another lockdown what will you do you have to know what to do it's going to be take to the streets it's going to be destroy their ability to close down shops and stay open or whatever or when they prevent people moving around take down these barriers if they're stopping people moving from A to B in, in different parts of Oxford or whatever. You're going to have to have direct action on the ground. Take over the town halls, quite literally. I mean, with the numbers you could break into a town hall and start running things from there. Um, it, it does require direct action, but it is happening in places. I've seen films of allegedly in China where there's great throngs of people just <laughs> throwing things at guys in white that have been ordering everyone around to join a jab queue and they just said fuck it go and that is what we will need take to the streets indeed uh you know i'm i'm uh, i'm getting motivated <laughs> by your speech and well, I've, I've seen here in mexico uh you know through telegram uh you know at the height of the uh pandemic there were people here in my city every saturday yeah. going out on one of the main streets uh, with, with uh, basically doing what you've been doing in the yeah, UK. And, blackguards, and, leaflets, mm -hmm. megaphones. What, what's the best way? Uh, I'll include all of your links in the description, yeah. but what, what, you know, what are the best ways to find you and, uh, you know, supporting uh, your work? I think the quickest way to find information will be two things. One is go to stopnewnormal.net and the other one is go to the Telegram group, which is peers underscore Corbyn underscore stop new normal as one word i know it's a bit of a long one but it'll get you there and there'll be new stuff there we tell everyone who's got something to say go in there go to advertise it go in there and there's other groups around the country but i think ours is you know one of the best for actual discussion and information well what can i say keep up the great work uh peers and again everyone be sure to check out oh, and follow me on twitter yeah, at real peers corbin or you were going to say that yeah, I was going to say that, you know, check out weatheraction.com, follow Piers on Twitter uh, and Telegram. Links will be uh, below. I'm following you uh, uh, everywhere. And again, thank you for being being on Geopolitics Empire. Well, thank you. It's brilliant. And get, send us the link and we will propagate this around. Send it me on Telegram or on, or on uh, text. I hope you enjoyed this Geopolitics and Empire podcast. The website is geopoliticsandempire.com, and I encourage you to sign up to the free email list that notifies you of every new podcast and other important updates. The email list and website are our last lines of defense. We're being censored and deplatformed. It's almost impossible to find Geopolitics and Empire on the Google search engine. We've been blacklisted. YouTube frequently strikes videos. Facebook restricts our page. Reddit, Twitter, and LinkedIn take down posts. After the Associated Press mentioned geopolitics and empire in a 2021 article co-written with NATO, or the Atlantic Council, our Patreon account was terminated. 
Vimeo also terminated our pro account at one point. In April of 2022, the Department of Homeland Security had PayPal ban us for life. The best free way to help geopolitics and empire is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or elsewhere and subscribe to all of our media channels. You can find the video broadcast now on five platforms, Odyssey, Rockfin, Rumble, BitChute, and Brighteon. You can find the audio broadcast on the entire podcast ecosystem, SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, and so on. My current favorite social media channels are Twitter and Telegram, but you can also find us on Gab, MeWe, Minds, Float, VK, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. You can support this guerrilla signal by donating via DonorBox, Buy Me a Coffee, Subscribestar, or Crypto. You can purchase a consultation with the host to talk about expatriation, geopolitics, or podcasting. You can also become a monthly or annual member via Stripe and receive benefits such as partaking in a monthly member Zoom call, get access to a weekly recording of my random thoughts, and a private Telegram channel. Thank you for listening.